when I was an agent, I would typically have, you know, like an interview conversation and try to get to know the person versus, you know, have them read for me or something. I mean, I would much rather get to know the person. And, you know, because at the end of the day, when you're on set with somebody for 20 hours, I mean, you want to work with your friends, obviously. Right, right. And most of the clients I have, I mean, I've worked with them for over 10 years. Wow. I mean, literally, like, across the street in January, uh, Hamilton was in town for a month. And, like, one of my best actors I've known for a long time. Now, I've managed him his whole career. And, I mean, literally, they were across the street going Hamilton here for a month. Welcome, everyone, to The Ultimate Shift. Join Ephraim Glick and leading figures in business and entertainment as they share their stories of regular people overcoming tremendous obstacles only to achieve happiness, success, and fulfillment. Are you ready to make the ultimate shift in your life? Uh, welcome back to the ultimate shift. Today we have Richie Walls and Brando Eaton is back. I'm back. And Taylor Zamora. Zamora. <laughs> in the building. So I've all, I just met Taylor, so I've never met you before. But we want to capture some stories here, and we're just going to have a good time and bring you guys some entertainment because that's what all you guys do. So I want to start with Richie. You grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee. You ended up in Hollywood. You work with the biggest names in film and production. I want to capture your story of how you got from Knoxville to L.A. to where you are today. Well, it was weird. Actually, I was born in Chattanooga. And then I went to high school. Oh, really? Okay. Went to high school in Bristol. Then went back to Chattanooga for college. And we, we were, I was running track at UTC. We had a meet at Florida State. Ended up going back to Chattanooga because we, we were on spring break and got in some trouble. And just, it was a good time. But uh, I ended up meeting a modeling agent in the mall. And the first thing she asked me if I you know, tried to talk about modeling or acting, and I never had because I was an athlete. And the first thing that popped in my head was like, I like to work with hot girls. And immediately, immediately I was in New York and I was doing work and ended up going back to Knoxville because my brother was playing football at Tennessee and moved to New York and was running an agency in New York. Went out to LA and I never went back to New York. I changed my flight, went back to Tennessee, got my car and drove out to LA. Really? Yeah. Why not New York? I just felt like I was meant to be there like the second I got there. In LA? Yeah. Okay. Like New York's great, but I just feel like Hollywood is just, you know, it's my passion. As a kid, like that's where you wanted to be, or, or did that not even cross your mind prior to this meeting? This no, never. This never crossed my mind. Yeah. Really? I was going. I was going to school. I had, I had two choices. I was either going to go to Europe and be a professional cyclist, or I was going to go to college and, and I obviously had a scholarship, so I took the, took the free school and, and ran. Wow. So. How did you get, you were modeling and then you got into film. So what was the, the first film thing you worked on when you got to LA? Well, when I moved to LA, actually it was a fashion agent. So I ran this okay. company called Morning Models and we had all the top, you know, we started all the top Victoria's Secret girls and, you know, then we started working with all the playmates and it's kind of how I met Brando's through the, through the Playboy Mansion contacts. He left this part out last week. So yeah. you guys <laughs> met at the Playboy Mansion? Well, we didn't meet at the mansion, no, but we met through uh, mutual contacts, just like the, kind of that friend group. He had a lot of models, and I, I knew some models. I was trying to know a lot of models. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then we had mutual friends there, like some playmates and stuff like that. But yeah, but I, I lived there when I was younger, though, uh, when, okay. I first, when I first moved out of my, my mom's house. It's a nice place to move. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice landscape scenery. Get a sugar daddy in half. <laughs> 
So you met him? Yeah. Well, I guess if you've been there, yeah. And same to you probably? Right. Yeah, yeah. I would always run into him in the halls and he would just say hi and I'd be like, hi. He just assumed I was supposed to be there. I was just living in the house. I never asked. I just brought all my stuff and started living <laughs> in there. And he just, just, like, no questions were ever asked. And I would just be there and I'd order room service. I'd see him in the halls because my door was across from his door where a lot of the uh, Playboy bunnies uh, had rooms. And mine was like, I think the first or the second room there. They later, like, painted. I think that's room they painted and used for the bunny reality TV show. Mm-hmm. Like, where girls would be staying there. But that's where I stayed. Yeah. And, yeah, I would just see him in the halls and just say hi. And he was always nice to me until well, later he got a little weird. But So, did you guys start working together shortly after that? Because you've done a lot of projects <clears throat> together. No. No. no we we just... We were just friends. We were like, we started just acquaintances because we would always just run into each other in LA and similar friend groups. And then uh, it's actually more when I moved out here. When I moved out here that we started really uh, interfacing. For someone who, no matter where they grew up, they want to go to LA and they want to make it, if you will, if that's the right term. What would your advice be to that person? You just have to do it. You have to stick with it. And you actually have to work. Like you, have to, you have to get in your classes and you got to you gotta get the right agents and gotta get your face out there. How does one find the right agent? It's hard, especially right now. I mean, still don't have that answer. <laughs> <laughs> Through networking and connections. Who's your favorite person that maybe some of our guests would like know the name? Who's your favorite person you ever worked with? I mean, when I moved to LA, I thought everybody hung out with Vince Vaughn on a Monday night. That was just like a normal scenario. <laughs> back in Hollywood, it was fun. Right. You know, you had, you had all the events and that's it. Where you meet a lot of people, and, but really, like when I first moved out to LA, it was kind of pre a lot of the pre paparazzi are kind of like right when the whole all that was starting, and I was working with Paris Hilton, and and literally, you know, you, you knew like that's why we would see each other all the time. You, you're supposed to be here on a Monday, supposed to be here on Tuesdays, supposed to be here on a Wednesday, mm-hmm. and then you really don't go out on the weekends. Then there's really? that cool spots, and it was the weekdays because the weekends is when the normies would go up. That's like the people uh, visiting LA or they want to go out and be seen. So they go out the weekend, but then it was like, yeah, Monday, Tuesday, like the off days. That those are the hot days for the celebrities. In New York, they call it Bridge and Tunnel Night. Yeah, in Miami, it's Industry Night. Always but Monday. Monday night's the most fun night. Used to be, yeah. So, what's the craziest story that, that you've ever? Told I was told you're a great storyteller. I want to draw. I want. I want to hear some of these stories. Oh gosh, there's lots of stories. <laughs> I think we have to like. Get more specific. It's hard to say. I mean, best. how I kind of started my niche going from modeling into TV and film. Entourage just started. It had been one season, and I was like, well, literally, I had the prettiest actors in the world. So I started crashing Mark Wahlberg's office on a daily basis with like supermodels. So I couldn't get the casting director to call me back. So I started sending the Sydney Dean that we met was Miss Switzerland. I sent her to his office, and then the next day I sent. Miss Universe to his office, and the next day I sent a playmate to his office, and they were just dropping off packages, and, and I would just tell them, wonder, wonder around, and act like you're lost. And then, finally, after like a week and a half, I got a, I got a phone call, and, and literally we started booking all the girls on Entourage for seven years. That's crazy. So literally, it, it, like, my life like, changed overnight. So, and, that, and again, you had no idea you were going to end up in this career. Mm-hmm. If you could do anything different, would you do anything different? No, I love it. I mean, I enjoyed being an agent for a long time, and, and I feel like I kind of like that path ended and kind of crossed over into the TV and film stuff where we're at now. 
We've discussed this a little bit, Brando, but where do you see the film industry and well, even the modeling industry go to right now in LA with everything that's happened? It's starting to come back a little bit and with like the restrictions and smaller crews and things like that, I think that's gonna stick around for a while. Do you think it'll, it'll ever be what it was? In, in we, LA specifically? I don't, it's, I love LA, I don't like talking bad about it, but it's, <laughs> it really, I mean, it's, it's just not the same right now. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it hasn't been the same in like 10 years. I mean, it's changed a lot. Yeah. Do you think you'll stay there? I mean, I know you have a place here in Nashville mm-hmm. and as well as there, but like, do you think, like, is your goal to retire in LA or is it to come back to Tennessee? I mean, my family's so important to me. That's why I moved back here. We've got three nieces and, you know, my parents are in Chattanooga and my brother and his family's in Knoxville. So kind of think, you know, being here, we can, we're going to change the whole industry here and we can do our movies and things like that. We can control this, you know, we can control the scenario too, because, you know, we've got the political connections with the governor and the money and, and we can kind of create what we want. Mm-hmm. How hard is it to balance that life of when, when you're in that role of, of managing the production or the models or, or the acting and it can run into hours and, you know, 15, 20 hour days, what have you not. How hard is it to balance your daily life and that lifestyle? I'm still hurting from last night, so. <laughs> that's, a, that's a daily battle. So, yeah, so you have no advice for someone going into the industry to say, look, you need to, like, this is something you need to focus on, or this is something, you know, watch out for this. I mean, when I moved out there, I, I, I was, you know, I was out of school, and I mean, it, it would be probably a total different scenario if I moved there when I was 20. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had my head on straight and, you know, I, I had my, I had my like nine to five. So I already had a job and I wasn't really kind of, when I went in, I was already working with like some of the top people. So kind of open doors kind of pretty quickly. Like, that's the weird thing about that business. There's no set path. It's not like, oh, you go to school for this many years and you, you get a job. Like you have to just kind of grind and figure it out. And it also depends on what, what do you want to do? Are you an actor? Are you a producer? Are you a writer? Those are all different paths. But mm-hmm. I get asked questions all the time. Like, oh, how do I get started? There's no set way, but I just say, just submerge yourself in that environment. Like surround yourself with those like-minded people. Like I did 10 years of acting class and I was around people all the time. And it's like, I didn't, I didn't know how to get an agent, but over time I just met some, or there was a workshop at one of my acting classes or, you know, just weird things like that. It kind of falls into place, but you just have to be in it. You have to be working on it. You have to take it seriously. Like as long as you're working hard at like becoming a good actor and actually taking classes, you're already ahead of the game because 99% of the actors out there are just wanting to call themselves an actor while they're partying and chasing tail. If you take it seriously and actually try to get good at your craft and try to actually put the time into it, you're already in the top 1%. And then beyond that, there's no guarantees, but just, just surround yourself with it and put it grind. And like, you can't guarantee anything, but eventually, most likely, you'll at least get something going. Yeah. You gotta be reliable too. I mean, a lot of people, just skip auditions or, or just don't answer their agents' phone calls and things like that. Why are you looking at me, Richie? <laughs> <laughs> Call me out. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're doing auditions at two in the morning here. Mm-hmm. Night. I mean, we did that, was it last night? No, two nights ago. And we were like, no, that was like three in the morning. We're drunk at my place. And I'm like, I got an audition I have to film tomorrow. We're like, let's film it. <laughs> and it actually made it so much better, too, because we were all like, let's say, hold on, we gotta do the lighting this way. We gotta do the chair this way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so on that note, like you and I talked a little bit about vulnerability and how it plays into the industry. 
let's just say you're looking for a new model or somebody. Is there is there anything in that part of their life that you're looking for when you're doing the interview? Or let's say you're casting for someone. Does it ever play a part where you're looking at to see like who's the real person and how do you see past the what Brando said? You're they're just in the industry to chase tail or what have you. What do you kind of look for in someone that lets you feel like your investment into them might pay off? When I was an agent, I would typically have, you know, like an interview conversation and try to get to know the person versus, you know, have them read for me or something. I mean, I would much rather get to know the person. And, you know, because at the end of the day, when you're on set with somebody for 20 hours, I mean, you want to work with your friends, obviously. Right, right. And most of the clients I have, I mean, I've worked with them for over 10 years. Wow. I mean, literally, like, you cross the street in January, uh, Hamilton was in town for a month, and, like, one of my best actors I've known for a long time. Now, I've managed him his whole career, and, I mean, literally, they were across the street doing Hamilton here for a month. So, how does this COVID deal affect your job now? If you're managing a lot of these, these guys, and, and they're probably not working at all, are they? No, they're not. I mean, they've canceled Broadway completely, so, you know, that, that money train stopped, and then... You know, we canceled a movie that we, we had set to shoot in LA and we're not going to shoot there anymore. We're going to shoot in, in Knoxville. And then, but it also has opened up other opportunities. We got a new show that we're going to do. A lot of people say like either you, with COVID, you either got set back or you saw things and you got launched forward. How do you feel like that's affected like your career? I mean, it was weird. I mean, it definitely was weird for everybody for a while. I mean, it was just like life stopped completely. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, for us it was tough and, you know, then we had the back-to-back -back tornadoes oh yeah yeah but are you happier now that you're going to be shooting in Knoxville versus LA do you feel like that's more fitting for, for I mean, the role or for the... we did we did Burt Reynolds last movie in Knoxville and it, and we did two days here and it was incredible I mean the cast the crew everything it was amazing it changed the whole city I mean the city was just biting the whole time we were there so wow. I'm kind of ready for that feeling again what was that movie I, I last, remember but the last movie started and that was just before you passed away, right? Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. So what what was your favorite project you ever worked on? Both of you guys, I mean, actually. I mean, for me, Entourage was the most fun. And then my buddy, he actually started Marvel Studios with Stanley, and so we had the Iron Man stuff going on. So literally, when the, the strike back in the writer strike back in like two thousand seven, it stopped everything. But I had Entourage going on. I had, I had the Marvel movies going on. I managed half the girls on Dylan O'Dill and the girls with briefcases. So we had that going on. <laughs> so literally, like, I was thriving on well, Most people were hurting. So it was. It was... In 2007, mm -hmm. you said there was a writer's strike? So yeah. what, what, just everyone that was writing a script just stopped? Pretty much. Yeah. Wow. It, it really screwed me. It was the first time I got um, two decent recurring roles on two decent shows. And uh, what was it? I think it was called Journeyman and Bionic Woman. I think Journeyman. He was playing the woman. I was the woman. <laughs> yeah. But Bionic, so it's cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I had recurring roles on both those. I filmed one episode, uh, which I was filming in L.A. and Vancouver. And one episode, and then the writer's strike happened. And the shows had amazing numbers, like they would have kept going. But once the writer's strike happened, that all gets put on pause and all those new shows that had like a few episodes made, they canned all of them. Mm -hmm. And so I lost both those roles. Um, wow. So that really screwed up some uh, momentum I had at the time. And I've been crying myself to sleep ever since, but I'm, I'm fine. 
I'm fine, guys. But then I'm in the chipmunks game. Yeah, yeah. That brought in the big bucks. How, what makes a great scriptwriter? There's no one answer to that. It also depends on what type of script, what type of movie, what genre. Yeah, I don't, I don't have one answer to give to that. I'd say, like, because I, I write as well. I'd say the big thing, the big pain in the butt thing is the busy work. Meaning there's still a formula. There is a certain format that a script has to stick to that a lot of writers don't know about or they, they, they fail at that. I'd say get that part done. Now you've laid the foundation and then all the magical stuff is put on that. It's like get the skeleton down, then you can have fun putting the meat on the bones and painting it and getting really creative. Um, but I hate the skeleton part. Like it's, it's a grind to do the skeleton part. That's um, kind of the, the meat and the bones of the whole storyline? It, yeah, it's the entire the entire script because I mean here's the thing it, scripts are long and when you have a bunch of them out there the important people aren't going to be reading all of them. In fact, it's hard to get people to read your script. So they'll maybe read one page, they'll read one or two pages, maybe like the first two and the last two, something like that, and they'll judge you off of that. So you have to have at least a clean first impression. So just having the, the basic formatting and all that stuff down, they, they at least subconsciously go, oh, he kind of knows what he's doing, okay. But now let's move on and actually judge the work. So that's, I'd say that's the... Can you imagine reading the last two pages of, what is it, what was it, A Star is Born? I didn't see it. Bradley Cooper later yeah, that movie. Yeah, A Star is Born. Yeah. that movie. <laughs> <laughs> the ending just kills it for me. Oh, I don't even know what it is. Well, don't I, ruin it, guys. That song, they play that song every hour at every bar here, and I'm just like, yeah. What song? What's it? Uh, it's the one that makes you cry. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, Bradley Cooper killing someone. He ruins every chance of any girl you're talking to. He'll kill, kill, kill Bradley Cooper. In the bar. If that song comes on, I just weep. <laughs> you don't kill Bradley Cooper. Leave him alone. Uh, I haven't. Uh, I, haven't <laughs> I haven't seen it. So if I came to you, Richie, and I said, look, man, I want to become an actor. Go home. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's yeah. Brando's answer. What's Richie's answer? Save your soul. So, so let's say I'm a let's say I'm a six year old kid. So what I try to do on this show too is like to help people mm -hmm. like get them some sort of stepping stones if that's what they dream of. Let's say you're a little mini Brando. God. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> and and you want to you know you want to do what Brando did. Your parents aren't in the industry. No one's in the industry. And let's say some kid came up to you on the street here in Nashville was like, Hey, Richie. Mr. Walls, I want to get into acting, you know, mm -hmm. what's your first advice? I mean, we actually do, you know, since, since you this books the other day, I mean, we actually have done some events with a lot of kids. I work with a ton of kids and, you know, some of these kids are like six going on 30 and they're, they're like little pros. I mean, it's, weird, it's, it's, it's a huge gap between like these kids that are just have it together and then versus like some kid that's wanting to do it as a hobby, you know, to, right. us, to us, it's not a hobby. So, so it's you're saying that kids who have basically been programmed or trained mm -hmm. from the get go, they're the ones who are going to get the shot. So, like their parents almost have to know, like this is what they want to do. We're going to groom them in this yeah. direction. Well, pretty much, I mean, the, the kids the want passion. I mean, yeah, it's the yeah. passion of the kid. I feel. I mean, there's people that push their kids into doing things maybe they don't want to do, but you know, you have to want to do it. You know, you yeah. can't have some. Yeah. You can't have a kid crying on set for eight hours. Yeah. Wow. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Plus, it's a crying role. Yeah. <laughs> He's got it. That kid's got to nailed it. First take. It was miserable and it was great. 
Well, I mean, you could relate to that, I guess. But you knew that's what you wanted to do. Look, crying. No. <laughs> well, no, I haven't seen Brandon crying. Yes. No, yeah, I just genuinely enjoyed it, but I was not a kid actor. I did go on some auditions when I was a kid, when I was like 12 or 13. That didn't last very long, and then I, I, I waited until I was 17, I could actually drive myself, and I was like an adult. Oh, really? Yeah. So I started at 17, really, professionally. But yeah, no, I, I just enjoyed it, and uh, honestly, just, especially with a kid, I mean, of course there's natural talent. Like, some kids are just like, what the hell, this kid's like a 40-year-old. Some kids have that. But it is something you can train as well. And as long as the kid's having fun and comfortable and actually working on it, you can get some great performances out of kids too. And you got to have a good director for that too. I've had to direct kids and it's a whole different approach. And if you're a good director, you can usually get a decent performance out of a kid that doesn't even know what they're doing. As long as they'll listen to you. And as long as they'll listen. Take directions. What makes shows like Friends in the Office so popular? I mean, is it just because it's, it's that well written? <laughs> yes, but yeah. I mean, uh, or do the how big a part do the actors play? And how do you recreate one? Like, how do you recreate that? And and like, we don't have anything. I mean, everyone's trying to figure that out. <laughs> that that I don't know. I mean, it's I don't know about the Office, but I know I know like Friends. I mean, like those are great actors. I mean, they're, they're, right. I don't know with Locke, and he's not Joey. He's like complete opposite of Joey. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? That's so interesting to me. He doesn't like you to compare him to Joe either. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, but uh, no, that's that's like, what's the secret sauce? I mean, of course, you can have a certain formula to, to stick to, but sometimes you just have a, a magical, accidental mixture that just works out. What I, what I mean by that is, I mean, some movies or projects or TV shows, it's like, like even when I'm on the set, I'm like, wow, this was like, this isn't what the script was like. And somehow just... Between the actors, the writers, the producers, like how everything meshes and ends up on camera, you're like, wow, that was just luckily magic. The dynamic here, you can't plan for that. And that worked freaking perfectly. Like things like that, sometimes it just falls into place. Of course, you want to do the right homework and due diligence to have, have the script tight and have a good cast and have, of course, you got to do that. But sometimes there are certain factors that you just don't account for. And just magically falls into place. You're like, wow, that was fucking lucky. I mean, the Burt movie we had, we had like three or four actresses like fall fall out last minute. We were trying to like find like the right one for Burt, and we literally got Ariel Winter, and she didn't really even know who Burt was. So, it, and it kind of played along with the script because she didn't really know what a big movie star he was. You know, kind of follows the whole the whole thing. So it actually, you're right, like this fell down in place and couldn't have been any better. Wow. Richie wouldn't hire me for that movie. So I you tried. Didn't know you at the time. Hmm? Yeah. No. But why would the fuck, This is a great. This is great. <laughs> stuff. I would have if he had been in Tennessee because they wanted local hires. So why would yeah. you come to Tennessee, Tennessee for it? I I would have, and Richie just didn't call me. He didn't talk to me about it. There was no communication. This relationship was not working out well. Sounds like Max. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be in the movie now. So Brandon will be in the upcoming one that you're working on. Oh, obviously, yeah, for sure. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. No, so you working, redeemed yourself. We're working on a, <laughs> a new uh, show here. Are you allowed to talk about it yet? No. I mean, not like detail because we're, we're kind of working out like the, the details. But yeah, yeah. We, we do have a, a show that we're working on. It's just good money to make through Pornhub nowadays. And um, <laughs> 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 so, how hard has this whole thing been on the music industry? Good or bad? 
That's, I mean, obviously it's bad. In a lot it's of hard on everybody. Honestly, uh, you know, you started talking about it before, whether it's a strength or a weakness. I don't think it's either. I think it's a pivot, to be honest. Yeah. You know, people have to switch up what they're doing because that's what the world is doing right now. There's no way to beat it. You have to take it in and figure it out and make the best of what it is. But yeah, if you can do that, sure. Reason why I went back into music was because my business got put on hold. But, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. People found out this year it's ex extremely important to learn to pivot if you didn't, if you weren't used to it before. As an entrepreneur, you're, you're always pivoting. That's just all there is to it. So I'm sure. Duck, duck, dive, dodge, dive, duck. And then you think, you think you're going to make it big on this one, one deal. We talked about products the other day about some of the stuff you're working on, Brandon, but, and sometimes you, you think you put everything in one and then it takes off or it doesn't and it flops and then you have to come up with, I mean, yeah, it's just, a, it's just, a, it fascinates me how people try to avoid pivoting. Like mm -hmm. people will do just about anything to stay the same for mm -hmm. everything to be, to, for that right. safety net to stay the same. change. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can go to point A to point B in different ways. You right. Know, like everybody tries to follow each other and gets stuck. Sure. And, and life is a pivot in general. However, because of this phenomenon of what we're going through, it was a forced pivot. You know, it, yeah. It, yeah. it made you do it, not just adaptation to time. I, I kind of welcomed it. I don't know how you find it in, in your industries, because we're in completely different industries, but for me, I found it kind of weeded out the wannabes. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of really figure out who's in the industry because they really want to be there or who's in it for the money or who's in it for mm -hmm. a hundred different reasons. But I mean, there's been mass exits in LA and New York. I mean, people just abandoning ship and moving wherever. Totally. Are those going to have to be replaced or what happens there? Or do you just get the people that are really good at that fill in? I mean, everybody's learning right now. I mean, I've got some friends that have agencies in LA and literally like 90% of their clients don't even live there anymore. I mean, wow. 90? A lot. Yeah. Wow. You don't think they'll come back? No. Wow. I don't think anything will ever really fully come back. This is just, it's proven to show different opportunity though as well. I mean, so many businesses are now having their, you know, major, major companies, corporations are having their employees work from home and they're crushing it, mm -hmm. honestly. It, it's something that's never been done before because there was never a reason to do this, but now that it's happening, Which there's, is a great for there's a lot of strength. There really is. It's great yeah. for traffic. Totally. However, I'm a believer in you cannot be as productive from home. Someone proved me wrong. For me, it doesn't work. Maybe I'm too ADD, I don't know. Or ADHD, whatever you call it. But I, I just can't focus when... I'm at home, you know, I'll, I'll get up and I'll get something to eat and then I'll sit down and it's just always something. Mm -hmm. I'm the same way. But, but, but that, that doesn't mean that it doesn't work. It was a good five-minute work day. Uh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can't all have five-minute work days like you, Richie. <laughs> Actually, that might be five-minute work day for you. You spend your nights. You guys, you guys are like, you recruit nights and everything else. We are so, vampires. I, I have... I have spent just for the record here, I guess, well, one one night with you guys, one evening, one Friday night, and I, I made it to eleven o'clock. Uh, it's been about two weeks ago, and I made it to eleven o'clock. Okay, and Brando, no, I'm fine. I don't even. I wasn't even drink. I don't drink much anyway, but I don't even think I was drinking that night. And Brando was like, "Yeah, I'm about to go home." And then the next day, he's like, "Yeah, 
like, well, what time did you get home? So oh, about three. And so I'm like, yeah, I can't. These guys are just. <laughs> well, the thing is, he's home, but everybody is also with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The party always ends up at my place. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm home, ready to go to bed at three, and then people are leaving my place at six or seven when the sun's up. See, I'm, I'm mom, one of those. Not like, me, mom. I'm home early. <laughs> <laughs> I like being in my bed at 8.30. And then. With me too. Yeah, getting up at 4 yeah. o'clock. You like being in bed by 8.30 a.m. I only like to see an hour or two of sun before I feel really bad about myself. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was having that conversation the other day with somebody. I was like, we have two different versions of like, if the sun comes up, I feel awful. Like, I don't ever want to see the sun come up. Right. And then they're like, look at the sun. It's so pretty. And we it's not. It's <laughs> yeah, the sun come up. Yeah. Oh, I love the sun sunrise. No, but not when you've been up all night. Then you feel like a failure. Well, well yeah. You're getting up to run. And yeah, yeah. Your day. Thank you. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. that's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the whole day is ahead oh, of me. Oh man. But when you're going to sleep to it, you're like, I just ruined my life. Yeah. It's literally like yeah. these blinds can't shut any further. Yeah. Uh, I can I can count on on both my hands how many times that I woke up to the sun. I could probably count on my one hand how many times I woke up to the sun and I hadn't gone to bed yet in oh, my you mean, life. You mean you've been up all night. Yeah, probably less than five times in my really? entire life. Each time he's had food poison. That's been it. Was <laughs> <laughs> shitting himself all night. Not sleep the entire. No, well, I, I, I can't. You know, I've had my, I've had my days. So, but now it's like you know, put me to bed and let me get up early and. I'll dominate mm -hmm. the day, but that's just what works for me. So, uh, boy, you're crushing that stuff. Sipping. Yeah. We're just used to like, like, you know, just like going, working 17 hours on set, and it's like, and that's we kind of live our lives like that. You just yeah. go to your fall. It's kind of like the, the bar industry too. Like, I mean, I've got lots that's of bar I'm really, I'm really most of hospitality. Yeah, you're up all night. The only thing I did relatively close to that was security. And you basically went to work a lot of times at 3 p.m. and got home at like, I usually got home at 4 a.m. Yeah. So, and then you sleep during the day, which that never worked with me. I could never wrap my head around that. Tennessee is really hospitality as well. I mean, regardless of COVID, you know, restrictions, but we're shut down by three from Miami and New York. Nothing closes until oh, really? five, so you don't have to clean yeah. up until five to six, six thirty. Yeah. You're on sunrise, Ooh. no matter what. Even it's, if you're managing, it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter if you're a waitress, waiter, manager. I mean, you're there. There was at least one day when I was like one day a week when I lived in New York where literally you would go we would go straight back to work. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's usually Thursday and Friday. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like New York would never be the same with this COVID thing. Which is sad because it's such a great place. Yeah, and so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I love New York. I used to go every other month or so if I could, and I haven't been since February, and I'm just like, every time I see a picture, I just want to go, but I feel like it's, it would be so different. So, I don't even know what their restrictions are. To, have any one of you guys been? Like, do you have to? Yeah, you don't have to apply. Like, I don't know what the restrictions are. Uh, well, meaning, do you have to self quarantine, whatever, if you go there now? To be honest, I'm not sure. You just don't. No, I, I haven't been. I feel horrible. My 93-year-old grandmother is there by herself. Really? She won't do anything. I mean, she goes... The only thing she does is go to the supermarket. And she literally goes at... She leaves her house at 
So you got there at 7 a.m. when it opens, so there's no one else there. Mm-hmm. Gets her stuff. She's home by 7.30. But I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's, that's tough. Yeah, I mean, she's a very active 93-year-old woman. Wow. Yeah. So for her, it's a, yeah, it's probably the worst, honestly, thing I can think of with all of it. It's much harder on the elderly than it is on us. Right. Yeah. Wait, we did bomb the room, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> did I mention I do card tricks? <laughs> you were having a great time until you came. Fuck. What's the last one? You know, when you did to, to call your grandma. Sweet, sweet guest edition here. I am. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we got time for one more story or two. Um, I don't know. I want to hear some some stories of, of what's something Hollywood that goes game. wrong. I want to I want to hear what goes wrong in the Hollywood film. It's it's tough to tell stories without throwing people under the bus. <laughs> you can just say person A or person B. That is not a fun story. Nothing crazy has ever happened on set for you. Oh yeah, all the time. Sure. <laughs> I, we, we had. I mean, you get stalkers. Like people show up on set. I mean, I, I definitely chased people down the street on the, the last movie <laughs> multiple times. Really? Yeah. Ariel had a stalker. And you know, people get people get excited, but I mean, literally, like, like this person kept yeah, showing crazy, up on set crazy. trying to talk to Ariel. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. And then Bert. I mean, there's a million Bert stories. I mean, he's. I mean, we had, we had him and Chevy Chase on set together, and they never met each other. What's your favorite Burt Reynolds story? Hitting on my mom, maybe? <laughs> wow, he kept winking at my mom on set. That's my mom. He goes, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, we'll just wrap it up then, and then we're going to go eat because uh, yeah. I'm starving. But uh, I, I asked everyone this question. I'm gonna, now that we have two, I'm gonna, I've already asked Brando, but I'm going to ask you two guys one at a time. Well, you've been all over the world, Richie, but let's say someone comes up to you. Richie, I've got five minutes in a stage, world stage. Everyone's watching. Everyone's listening. What does the world need to hear? What would you say to the world? It's just all about family. Yeah. I mean, I'm super close to my family, obviously, like super close friends. And it's just, that's just the best way to live a happy life. Keep your family close? I, mean, I, feel, like, I feel like people can get lonely if they're not yeah. being honest. What would you say to that, Terry? You can't score if you never take a shot on goal. Okay. So take the risk. Take your risk. Be persistent. Follow your dreams. Do what you love. Life's too short. Dodge dip. Dodge dip. And also, in, in Taylor's world, um, also, if you have dark hair, uh, color your beard blonde. Absolutely. You really, I wish you could see this. <laughs> Okay, one more question. If you could ask anyone in the, this one for you, Richie, first, if you could ask anyone in the world, any one person alive or dead, any one question, who would it be and what would the question be? Can we party? <laughs> Can we party, please? <laughs> would I, I, would be love, my I would love to have like one cocktail with Frank Sinatra. That would be Even cool. my friend. That would be cool. Well, and, and actually, that was one of Bert's things where he actually hung out with the Rat Pack, and and he he knew that he wasn't able to be the leader, so he actually went out and like like just didn't really hang out with him anymore. Wow, he needed to be the alpha. Yeah, that's cool. That is cool. What would you say to that, Taylor? I have the same question, different character. Okay. Mine would go towards Chris Farley. Chris Farley. Can we party? Can we party? <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. I think it would be... Yeah. What do you think Chris Farley would teach you? 
honestly, an array of things, really. But uh, love rays. I think it would it would have to be something funny but random to also fit his personality. I think it might be something like, "Did you know the human?" mouth can fit four hot dogs in under 30 seconds like something like that like there'd be some like crazy mm-hmm. fact and just watching it i mean that's it's mm-hmm. got to be something like that i mean i don't think he's teaching me algebra you know <laughs> <laughs> that would be more impressive to watch i that would be more enjoyable to watch him try to teach you algebra I would for that. one thing though i did i did go on tour last summer with adam sandler and, and rob schneider we worked with and and that was an amazing experience. Really? Just being, just being around them and how how genius they are. In those cases, are they just funny all the time? All the time. I could I could imagine Adam Sandler being like that. Like everywhere everywhere we went was shut down because he, so he can kind of like be, be himself and, and it's hilarious because he plays guitar on stage for stand up and he doesn't travel with the guitars. He has new guitars every day at the venue. Yet he travels with his basketball goal. Oh, wow. <laughs> He takes a basketball role everywhere. Wow. Is he the funniest guy you've worked with? Who's the funniest? Is him? Yeah. Well, we've technically never worked together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, yeah. To get oh, down the list. Cool. But um, Jason Bateman for me. Funniest guy I've ever met. Really? Jason Bateman? Jason Bateman. Huh. How so? Yeah. Just hilarious. I mean, I was just literally like laugh out loud crying constantly on set with him. Just his every day, just him hanging out. I'm like, this is better than the show we're filming. Let's just follow him with the camera and take all this up. It was so funny. He's very funny. Wow. Thank you guys for being here. Taylor, you had no idea what you were walking into. Nope, so I'm um, ready. Now you're, yeah. you know, you know, we got you on tape now. Thanks for having me. Now yeah, you're for ready. sure. Yeah. And Richie, thanks for coming. Uh, I, would, I just want to, you know, condone you for everything you've done i mean for someone growing up here and doing everything you've done i think that's pretty cool pretty cool story and i know there's a lot more under that hat that you're not telling us so you know maybe we'll we'll inch some out the good thing is we're just getting started yeah there you go there you go thanks again for tuning in to the ultimate shift look i know life is crazy life gets busy and we all kind of have an idea of where we want to go and where we want to end up but there's so many things that come up in between and my goal with this show is to grab one thing from every guest that we can apply to our lives that help get us closer to our end goal you can follow me on instagram at ephraim glick facebook at ephraim glick twitter at glick ephraim or you can go to the website at ephraimglick.com see you next time